Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hello, I'm Grongy Maguire, and this is Chantelle for Dooch and Pete. Hello. bonded over our love of reminiscing about weird celebrity couples. The ones no one would believe happened if Google wasn't there to back it up. We want you to join us as we remember when love was young, times were simpler, and we really thought that Angelina and Billy Bob Thornton were going to make it. Every week we're joined by a celebrity guest to discuss the showbiz romance they never got over. So take our hand and stroll down memory lane with us as we remember the, the way, way they were. Hi Chantelle. Hi Grania. how are we? I'm very well and um, Halloween is coming, I'm very excited. <gasps> Do you have any ideas for, co- are you a costume person? We've discussed this before but remind me. I, I'm very ambitious, theoretically. Okay. When it comes to actually doing it, I always then get very resentful when I actually have to <laughs> buy anything. And I always think, oh, for God's sake, and I'm going to wear this once. But I do, I do like Halloween. And my favourite thing about Halloween is reminding people that that yep. is, it's an Irish festival and not yep. American. That's how I know that we've discussed this before. Is I've just remembered <laughs> that I think we've done this twice. I think this is the third time now where uh, where we discussed that Halloween is an Irish festival. But I think you've often said that Ireland invented it and Americans perfected it. I think is where we ended up on. So we're both we both take ownership of that. Yeah, like Joe Biden, we created him, and then like, you perfected him. Like the Kennedys. Exactly. Exactly. Very so much there's a, so. There's a reason why, how do you feel about purchasing Halloween costumes? Because I very am, I'm very much like Halloween costumes should be something that you pull together. Any Anyone can go buy a Pirates of the Caribbean costume. There's no skill in that. The skill is if you can pull together a Pirates of the Caribbean, I would never do that. But you know what I mean? If you have some scarves yeah. around, make some trousers look like that with the help of tight socks. You know what I mean? That's a costume I appreciate. How do you feel about store-bought costumes? I think they're so lame and so embarrassing. And I'll tell you, next level, what I saw this week, somebody on Facebook is doing a clearage and they're selling the really expensive Halloween costumes that they bought from like five years ago. They've got this Jon Snow costume that they're selling. Oh, that is so... Everything about that sentence, they have a Jon Snow costume, just makes me want to die. <laughs> that whatever the character is from the TV show of that year, that is the worst costume idea. And to purchase one for three figures? <laughs> do not do this. Niche. That's the key. Niche. Mm-hmm. It should be a detailed thing that only like a few people go, oh, yeah, now I see it. That's the yeah, best kind yeah. of costume. Yeah, any costume that gets a, oh yeah, reaction is a good one. That's the dream one. Right, so we've sorted that out. Onto the show, Grania. <laughs> well, you know who I always say, oh yeah, babe. Oh, good one. That was one of your best, you know. That was one of the best. Thank you. The spirit of Dermot O'Leary just took over my body. 
and it is our guest. She is gorgeous. She is smart. She is funny. She is amazing. I know her as a legend. You know her as Callie Beaton. The, the way, way they were. Hi, Callie. Hi, Grania. Hi, Chantal. Hi, Callie. How are you? Thanks so much for being here. It's a real pleasure. It's lovely to be seeing you. Looking very glamorous. Very Thank glamorous. Thank you. I try. Please yeah. tell our listeners that. It's a visual medium. I cannot even tell your listeners how gorgeous you both look. I think that's what this podcast is most known for. It's just the gorgeousness Guys, of its hosts. We're topless, let's just say it. <laughs> <laughs> Callie loves it. Can't get enough um, of it. Speaking of romance... <laughs> and we're already in there um callie we <laughs> we're we consider ourselves a very romantic podcast mm-hmm. do you do you consider yourself a romantic i'm a bit too romantic um i do Ooh. find that i've sort of or i've lived my whole life thinking that i'm in some kind of I don't know what era it'd be i was a teenager in the 80s so i'm probably quite 80s influenced and I think, you know, Brooke Shields and Blue Lagoon, that kind of vibe. Oh, and obviously she and I look very similar. Um, and so literally can, a spitting image. Yeah, it's amazing. People always said it's the that. the hair mainly. Yeah, the hair. So I think, I mean, I first, fell in, I first fell in love when I was 14 with Nick Young. And I was in love with him for two years. And it was a really exciting, heady romance. And I think I've always been overly romantic and in the words of Robert Palmer addicted to love wow Um, nothing wrong with that what did teenage Callie think romance like a really like the perfect love story well it was I I used to listen I'm not a Dire Straits fan she said in a way that made it highly suspicious (laughs) because why do people (laughs) start with a sentence like that but I loved that um, Romeo and Juliet by Dire Straits Mm -hmm. I love that I still love that song I love the lyrics and I know I keep mentioning Nick Young, but it was that era. I got to know that song with him. And I just think I thought life was about romantic songs, romantic movies, sort of the excitement. I lived in rural Dorset. The nearest you would get to excitement by some margin was drinking cider, smoking a bit of weed and snogging a boy. Uh, That was I mean, that still sounds like a good time. Sounds like a sonnet. <laughs> but so I just think for me, it was just always escapism. You know, I was just, yeah. I wasn't happy at home. So I was, and I wasn't happy in my own skin. So I was like, let me get into the skin of someone else. This would be cool. So I've always, I just fell in love after love, after love, after love and had, yeah, I've just always fallen in love in a sort oh. of serial love way. I love I love that song. I love that song so much. And I, when I was a teenager, I loved it too. And it's that whole like, oh, it's so tragic, you know. Juliet, you know, when we made love, you used to cry. It's all like, oh, it's doomed, but it's fabulous yeah. because I doomed Bittersweet it. Bittersweet and all serenading up on balconies and yeah, and also yeah, it's just it's lovely and it's obviously totally unrealistic as we get older and we realise that. But I just remember spending hours and hours listening to sort of romantic songs. I remember Nick Young writing. He bought me um, a Rolling Stones album on vinyl, obviously, when I was, I don't know, 15. So 1984. And he he wrote uh, a Shakespearean sonnet all around the edge of the inner of the sleeve in his lovely, scrawly Nick Young writing. What happened to Nick Young? Where is this person? (gasps) 
I just have to tell you what happened to Nick Young. And I hope he is listening because Nick Young resurfaced. So Nick Young resurfaced some years ago on Facebook with a now, he's, his, I won't say what his full name is, but he's now got a double-barreled surname. So Nick, mm-hmm. then two parts to his surname. And Nick, not so young. <laughs> Nick getting quite old. And Nick, and he appeared, he sent me a Facebook friend request. I didn't know who it was. And then I looked at it and it, he was the boy that everyone wanted to snog at school. Oh, he no. is the, I mean, he is a devastatingly attractive adult man. Oh, I damn it. Like, wow, my first Aged like a fine He's wine. aged well. I, I think he might be quite the mess emotionally from the few bits I gathered on. The, the deep, best looking ones always are. Yeah, deep social media dive did lead me to some answers to some questions. But yeah, Ooh. and then he disappeared again. But I mean, fully disappeared off social media, leaving little footprint. Wow. Maybe he's a spy. Can I, I just like, do an episode th- about this guy instead of the couple? Yeah, he's an ex- <laughs> he's an ex- I think me and Nick Young could be this episode to be fair. Literally, I'm into it. <laughs> so when you said Nick Young, I fell in love with Nick Young. In my head I was like, oh that must be like an Asian pop star. Yeah, I, I thought that at first of. as well. Like, I was like, no, no that's like, Paul Young. Like it's Nick not Kershaw. Paul Young. <laughs> no. Yeah. It was actual actual Nick Young, yeah. Oh, well. Speaking of getting better with age, there we go. your couple are a vintage, a vintage. Uh, but as always, little Chantel, look at that beautiful little face. No, she's no idea who we're okay. even talking about. Oh, she Chantel, doesn't know. How old are you? Seven. I know, just so teeny tiny. Because <laughs> they did get together quite a long time ago. Well, well, so no, 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 no. So. Chantel, I can tell you that our couple got together in 2001. Okay, okay, I'm in. A quiet year, a quiet year. (laughs) Uh, I can tell you, just to set the scene of what was going on, 2001, Wikipedia is launched. Billie Eilish is born. Oh my God. Oh my God. Hold on, I need to get a drink. Hang on. Sorry, I need to go lie down for a second. And the world reels from the tragedy unfolding on our TV screens. That was, of course, the launch of two pints of lager and a packet of crisps, please. Yeah. But that wasn't the only thing that happened in 2001. Because she went from queen of the corsets to the corpse bride. Oh, my God. Um, So it's Helen Bottom Carter. And is it Tim Burton? (laughs) It must yes. be Tim Burton. Oh my God, our generations, Mia Farrow and Woody Allen living in separate houses. Yes. Oh, I love it. Let's get involved. Yes. <laughs> been As waiting fool, for them. Oh, this is been I a genuinely, I genuinely was worried. I was like, that's just one clue. I genuinely was thinking, oh, maybe I need, but I couldn't think of any more clues, but why? I mean, that's, that's a goodie. If, if you haven't got it from that, I think you need to just get off the How podcast, find it? something else to do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good so, choice, Callie. Oh, it was when Gwenya mentioned the podcast, she hadn't even finished the sentence. I was like, I've got my couple. <laughs> <laughs> that's the kind of thing we want. That's the dream guest we want. Somebody I knew my couple. So, of course, uh, Callie, you were talking about the director, Tim Burton, and his marriage to the British actress, Helena Boehm Carter. But when, when did you first come upon them as a couple? Why do, why do they matter to you? 
Well, they matter to me because they are contemporaneous. Well, she's a little bit older than me, but not a lot older than me. He's obviously older than anyone else in the world. But she's my kind of age. She also, our worlds sort of overlap a bit. Not as much as I'd like them to Ooh, in my pretend brag. life. But I worked with um, a family member of hers for some time. I grew up, sort of grew up. My 20s were populated by watching her and stuff. And she also, that the... the infamous two houses is in a 19 sort of 30s an art deco block very near where I live so I became oh, wow. aware of them and I've got a friend who's very good friends with Tim Burton so oh I felt God. like I was That's orbiting around, but only because I live around here and I'm ancient so you could just name any sort of fairly old person in North London from a dustman to an A-lister and I probably have some connection <laughs> so so I sort of was very aware of her partly on screen and partly in the neighborhood I remember um, her kids are considerably younger than my kids, but I, well, not considerably actually, but a bit younger. And I remember when Jake, my first, who's now 26, I used to ride up and down England's Lane. I've got a vintage Vespa and that was a route that I used to oh. go to take. I don't remember where I was taking the kids, but I used to, and I had a special little thing built on the back of the Vespa so the kids could go on the back and Jake when he was, he would have been about three. And I remember riding my vintage Vespa along England's Lane in Belsize Park, and she lived just off there. And she would see us quite often. I must've been doing that journey similar time to her. And she would always like wave and she loved the Vespa. So I feel like what I'm trying to say is we're really best friends. Best friends, yeah. Really best so friends. you feel like you have, a, so you have yeah. an insight into this it's because really you were there close. when they broke up. She would pick me. If you said, do you want to come on the podcast? She'd be like, I'd like to pick Callie and her kids Callie dad. And, yeah. and Nick Young. <laughs> Nick Young, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I just always felt that sort of, and I was fascinated. Also, as sort of women are kind of age, I don't think people realise, sorry, the dog's just come in. I don't think my current love, I don't think people realise how... It was so unusual for a female, a kind of a female actor to be as she was. So she didn't conform mm. to sort of stereotype of looking conventional. She was very unconventional and enormously talented and had a bit of a fuck you, this is how I'm going to do it thing, which let's not underestimate when she was starting out and taking big roles in the 90s. That was not what women were doing on screen. So I also think let's give her a moment, give her her credit as mm. breaking through some glass ceilings on behalf of lots of us. Can I yeah. interject before Grania gets into their history that I'm going to guess that the reason she had that fuck you attitude is because she came from fuck you money. <laughs> so she yes, could she went to the same... very much afford to be like, I'm going to dress the way I want to dress. I don't give a f I don't need this job. <laughs> That's true. Although it, it, can go, it can go either way, can't it? You can really conform when you come from money or you very can rebel true. or you can rebel in a fake rebel way, but actually you're just as mm. unrebellious. And I think, I mean, yeah, she went to sixth form with um, Adam Buxton and Louis Theroux and all that lot. She went to Westminster school, which in sixth mm -hmm. form is a, is a co-educational school and you can sort of tell she's from that group you know but when you hear her talk about those school days you know she would she didn't I think she always felt like she didn't belong anywhere and that's probably the other reason I but, love her she yeah. didn't feel too good for anything she was like I don't really know how to belong so I'll make a virtue of not belonging and what an amazing role model that is for any of us Mm-hmm. Not well, to mention the bone structure there you go the bone structure and <sighs> the boned corsets what a combo honestly oh my god I'm sorry, I'm going to have to interrupt you because somebody has just thrown a brick through my window. Literally a and brick. And scrolled on the... A literally a brick. Wow. And scrolled on the brick. They've just written, but what about their star signs? It happens so, every week. Oh, nearly. I bet it does. Isn't that uncanny? Uh, well, I can tell you, Helena, uh, May 26th, Gemini. Oh, okay. 
She's a Gemini girl. Tim, August 25th. Uh Uh-oh, he's a Leo king. That's the same birthday as my son. I didn't know that. Wowzer. Well, pay attention then. You're about to hear a lot about Leos. Okay, I'm going to try and cross-apply this between Burton and Beaton. (laughs) Burton and Beaton. So, Gemini, Helena and Leo, Tim, have so much fun that it could make the rest of the Zodiac envious. Oh my God. They both consider their best day spent in laughter. Their main challenge is the difference in their approach to change and they both need to make room for small adjustments in their behaviour if they want their relationship to last. Leo, Tim, will need to make room for more movement and understand what seems to be flakiness of their changeable Gemini, Helena partner. Sounds like her. While Gemini, Helena, will have to understand that Leo, Tim, is in fact keeping them together for however long they're meant to last. Their mutual respect can usually overcome any boundaries and they should keep having fun and building their relationship on a solid foundation of childish joy. Okay, Callie, what percentage do you think, according to their zodiac signs, this match has of working? What do you think? Well, I guess, spoiler alert... We kind of know the outcome, but we also know that it did really work when it worked. So I I think, and I think everything you described is what I would like to think was the case. And actually they speak about that, especially she speaks about that quite fondly now. So I think it's pretty bang on. And maybe if you don't believe that relationships are for life, which I know is contentious, but if we imagine that there are a series of lovely things that we may not regret, but don't last forever, maybe they were meant to be. So yeah, we need what, a number, Callie. We need a number. <laughs> Eight. Eight percent! Oh I'm going to go with everything Callie said, but I'm going to give them a high number because I, okay. am, I very much agree. I think they were a successful, successful pairing, I would say. I'm going to say 92%. Oh, it's percentages, 80%. <laughs> yeah. Oh, 80%. Yeah. Okay, you're doing out of 10. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not just a low marker. I thought it was really odd after everything you said. You're like, 8%, that, fuck them. Yeah, I was like, okay. No, 80, 80. <laughs> 80, okay. Well, Callie, you came very close because according to their astrological charts, this match had an 82%. There you go. She nailed it. Nailed it. I know 82%. these people like I've lived with them. And they well, didn't even by live sounds with of it, each you other. Have. They didn't even live together, but I was there joining them. You're ferrying between both houses. I was right there with them. <laughs> you were on your little Vespa outside, pushing in. <laughs> Just making sure they came to no trouble. <laughs> so let's have a look at their emotional CV before they met each other. So mm-hmm. Helena, a bone carter, she was born in Islington, London. So her father came from a very prominent British political family. He was a merchant banker. Her mother, psychotherapist. So her paternal grandmother was a politician and feminist, Violet Bohm Carter, who was the daughter of Lord Asquith, the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. My goodness. Good genes, okay. good legacy. Yeah. She was so fancy. Princess Margaret was a family friend. Oh my God. I mean, we can all say that, can't we? (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like a euphemism, doesn't it? Like, Princess Margaret was a family friend. Yeah, like a code word for get me out of here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Code word for alcoholism in the family. Well, Princess Margaret was a family friend. (laughs) (laughs) We're so using that. (laughs) 
<laughs> but listen, it was not all tiaras and cocktails for Helena Bonecarter growing up. When she was five, her mother had a series of nervous breakdowns, which took years to recover. Then her dad was diagnosed with acoustic neuroma. He suffered complications after an operation and then had a stroke and then ended up in a wheelchair. Her brothers were at university, so... Helena Bonecarta was left to cope with all of this by herself. Okay, I take back what I said about good stuff. (laughs) All these push ones are very flawed. They give with one hand, they take it with the other. Seriously. There's a lot going on, on at home. She said from this period, I remember thinking, well, I have a choice. I can either be sad or create my own reality by acting. Fantasy is much easier than real life. Oh, wow. Ain't that the truth? So, Kelly, I'm sorry. I'm seeing real passions between you and Helena Bone Carter. Yeah, definitely. What do you know about Kelly's parents? <laughs> oh, well, the weird thing is, um, because it's interesting, she went to a boys' school, um, and it was predominantly boys still when she went to it. And I was, as you may know, um, I was educated in a boys' school from when I was seven because my parents taught there, and it was an incredibly privileged private school. So I was mixing with the kids of film stars, royalty, but we had no money. I was in that school because my parents taught there. So Mm -hmm. it was literally like the Oliver Twist of and the wrong gender. I was the wrong gender and the wrong class and of the wrong uh, economic background. Apart from that, I fitted right in. It fitted me like a glove. (laughs) So I do really understand that idea of just absolutely not belonging and sort of like and then you just you attach yourself to a fake, not fake, a different version of yourself on stage, a version you can be in love I very much relate to, I think I'm Helena Bonham Carter without the talent and the bone structure. I think that's pretty much it. Just the money. Just the money. No, I didn't even have the money. We just had the sort of poshness. I was just in a posh world, but for no good reason. Well, so like Callie, like you, she's ambitious. She's hardworking. Mm. Uh, at the age of 16, she decides, right, stop this. I'm going to pursue a career as an actor. Uh, she starts appearing in ads and by 18 she's filming A Room With Me. I remember that and I loved the book and I loved her in the film. I had no idea she was that young, that's wild. Yeah, she's 18 but uh, interesting enough she carried on living at home with her parents. So she's now a famous uh, film actress, she's still living at home with her parents. She later explains she felt if she remained a child it would somehow make up for what happened to her parents. Mm-hmm. She's very protective of them. Yeah. So she ends up, she just lives at home until she's 30. Oh my God. That's where we differ. Yikes. Did she literally move out of the home with her parents into the home with Tim Burton? <laughs> into the home next yeah, to Tim Yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Because even then, she, when she did finally move out when she was 30, she only moved down the road. Because they were all local to here. They were all a Belsize yeah. Park I remember that, yeah. Hampstead, Jesus. Park. Yeah. Helena, spread your wings, sweetheart. Yeah. Cut the cord. If you, if oh my you live God. in that area, why move? I mean, that's the area we spend our lives trying to afford. And she was just right in it. It's true. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. 
Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. So, quite sheltered. She's literally still living at home with her parents. From this period, the only big relationship we'd know about was with a, a little boy. You may have heard, little Kenny Branagh. Yes, oh, of, so course, she of course. Yeah, yeah. Kenneth Branagh on the set of Frankenstein. Was this pre-Emma Thompson and Kenneth Branagh? Well, you would know yep. if you listened to our Kenneth Branagh and a Thompson podcast. We did about them as a couple. <laughs> so it was after... Yes, and some would say there maybe was a slight overlap. Yes, I did wonder. I think comment. Emma Thompson would say that. Yeah. Uh, so let's just leave her. She's down the road from her mum and dad. She sat in her little kitchen. She's sad. She's just broken up with Kenneth Branagh. So let's leave little Helen there and let's go across. Let's fly across the Atlantic Ocean to a little country called the United States of America <laughs> and find out what's the story with Tim Burton. So he grew up in California. I think his parents were quite eccentric because his mother, Jean, would go on to own a cat-themed gift shop. Nice. And uh, his dad, Bill, was a former minor league baseball player. Oh, Oh, I it's love a minor very... league as well. That's so good, a minor league. Oh, so no one can really prove you... that wasn't the case because it's not good. Yeah, exactly. Just say what you like if it's minor league. That's great, yeah. a minor league baseball. There's so You just told a whole life story <laughs> yeah. in three words there. <laughs> say what you like. There's so much yeah. there. <laughs> it's a real American short story, isn't it? It really it? is. It's like John Irvin's <laughs> come into play. <laughs> so he studies animation at university. Then when he's quite young, he gets married to Lena... Giseki, a German-born artist. Exciting. That's a passionate romance, isn't it? Yeah. So they get divorced in 1991 after four years of marriage. Then he will go on to meet model and actress Lisa Marie. Oh, yes. I forgot that episode. So she becomes like his his big muse. She's like his his first. Yeah. And she was Gorgeous. She looked really striking, like a really gorgeous, like 30s film star. Mm-hmm. She had a great face. They start going at 1992, and she, and this is going to be a team for the, a theme for Tim. She then appears in lots of his films. She's in Sleepy Hollow. She's in Edward. She's in Mars Attacks. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Tim is this like super cool. Hollywood director, Helena Bone Carter. She is sad, sat in her kitchen, <laughs> eating <laughs> beans on toast, going, oh God, I've been dumped by Kenneth Branagh. Can you imagine? <laughs> I can imagine. Imagine. I can imagine. <laughs> so she gets a phone call. She's on her holidays. She gets a phone call from Tim Burton. He's making Planet of the Apes. That's right, Planet of the Apes. Okay. Oh my God, that's where they met. I forgot about this. He's making Planet of the Apes. He rings up and Helena says, he said, don't take this the wrong way, but you're the first person I thought of to play a chimpanzee. What a opening opener. Oh wow. Yeah. He's got got form, hasn't he? So Helena, this is Helena. I thought, he's never met me, but he's got me. 
He's got <laughs> That's not what I'd think, but good on I've been being waiting so for a man to say that my whole life. Exactly. What a nice woman. <laughs> but he, then Alina continues, but he said, I've got this funny, intuitive feeling that you like to cover up. And I said, you're completely right. This is a quite intense I think it's also like it's kind of obvious when someone has all that sort of gothic, she literally would go around in veils and corsets and being otherworldly. <laughs> I think we all could see she liked to cover up. Like, good I idea. totally agree. Yeah. Hi, Helena. So I have a crazy idea that you're a bit kooky. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God, you get me. <laughs> so they start working on the Planet of the Apes. This is what Lena says. Remember, he is still going out with poor old Lisa Marie. Mm-hmm. She's actually in the film. Lisa Marie is in Planet of the Apes. I bet he didn't cast but her as a chimp. <laughs> she she doesn't like to cover up. No, she does not. She doesn't like not to cover up. Not in the least. So um, Helena said about working with him on Planet of the Apes, he's very shy and I was dressed as an ape all the time. So we didn't really collide. <laughs> The We've first all been conver- there. Classic boy meets girl. That girl old sentence. <laughs> the first conversation we had, which was pretty much the only one throughout the film, was about Hampstead. There you go. Um, all roads lead to Hampstead. <laughs> apparently he told her it's the only place he felt he truly belonged. Well, that's really? a first world problem, isn't it? But seriously, <laughs> who talks like this? Hampstead? Oh my Even God. Even if I thought that, I wouldn't be articulating it aloud. <laughs> Thank you, right? So there's sparks, there's vibes. There's so much sparks and vibes that, and again, it basically with this relationship, it's just, it's basically what we can cleave from interviews with Alina Bone Carter. There's not that much, Tim doesn't really talk he about it. He doesn't go on what, record with anything really, does he? Yeah, it's very true. But what I can tell you is who was really pissed off by this. Poor old Lisa, Lisa Marie. Marie. Yeah. Oh, God, she had a few things to was say. Was this before okay. she went off with Michael Jackson? <laughs> no, it's not, it's not Lisa Marie Presley. Oh, no, it's other Lisa Marie. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like it to be Lisa Marie Presley. Oh, my God. That'd be amazing. That, wouldn't that be a good intrigue? That, that I would buy that memoir. 100%. I would write that memoir. <laughs> From the creator of Scissor Hands to actual Scissor Hands. <laughs> so, poor old Lisa Marie, she's been dumped by Tim Burton for Helena Bone Carter. So, as a way of, because she said that he had this sort of, he promised her that he would look after her financially for the rest of her life. And then she sort of claims that he kind of reneged on his promise. That's a big statement to say. So, to kind of get her dues in other ways, she organised a big auction of all Tim Burton stuff. I remember reading that's about how you this. Do it. Yes, and that's, that's some how good you do stuff, it. isn't it, as well? Distinctive. Don't get angry, get even, get everything. Yeah. <laughs> well, poor old Lisa Marie, uh, she, was, she got her little trestle table out. She had all the Edward Scissorhands memorabilia ready to go. Wow. Uh, but then Tim Burton's people came in and quietly... Bought oh, all the stuff back. So she still got some money because I guess they put in some decent dollarage for that. Yeah. So we salute Lisa Marie as she leaves our narrative because oh. now it's all about Tim and Helena. So they walk the red carpet for the first time for the premiere of Planet of the Apes um, in 2001. And then a few years into dating, Helena finds out that Tim had actually made a sketch of her 10 years before they had met. This is where I would really? leave. I'd get all my stuff and go. 
What? He had drawn a sketch of her 10 years before they met. Wow. As a chimp okay. or just as, as a muggle? <laughs> <laughs> how would you feel, Kelly? How would you feel if you're like somebody's like flirting with you and being like, yeah, I, I want to see you dressed up as a monkey? I can answer this question. Not so much the monkey. No one's asked me to dress up as a monkey yet, but I'm only 54 um, and I live in hope. But um, I do, a guy that I was seeing very casually sent me a picture. He was like doing it with his work. He was traveling around the place. And then he sent me a picture, like a phone, a picture, a picture he took on his phone of a sketch he'd done of me that was really intricate and I was like I do not want to see you again that was weird it was weird oh so I feel like I had my mini Burton moment and I was like I don't want to see my mini Burton again god you really Uh, are so connected to this couple Kelly (laughs) he wasn't called Tim though he wasn't called Tim. as far as you know I mean who knows and he was I think in the states he was American actually this guy he was American (laughs) so if you think about Helena though so she's she's very I was going to say closeted. That's not the word. She's very sort of protected. She's been mm-hmm. living with her parents till she was 30 years old. The, her, her only previous relationship was with the, her director. Yeah. Who's in a position of power. Now she's met Tim Burton, also a director. Mm-hmm. Position of power. Was there age? Was there a big age gap between them? Decent her and age gap, isn't there, between them? It's like twelve years, something like that. 30. Twelve years. He's twelve years older than. That's her. also one of my favourite age gaps. I very often dated with a twelve or thirteen year age gap. Another connection. Very Here we connected. go. I think by the end of this episode, Kelly's going to actually be in a relationship with both Tim Burton and Helena Bonham Carter. I am, and I'm going to do the remake of Room with a View. And we're done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you think she, it, it just felt comfortable for her? Maybe she, you know, because she had all that trauma when she was a teenager. Mm-hmm. She just sort of felt, this felt sort of reassuring to have somebody else in control. As an older man lover, it's got tricky at my age, but it was fine. It was fine <laughs> to a point. But I think it is, I'm still trying to unravel this for myself. But I think there is, I mean, obviously there's a bit of a sort of dad issue. If you go with someone who's as much older as that, that's a significant age you know, age gaps, yeah. different music, different cultural references. And I still find it inordinately comforting. I find the company of older men very comforting. Mm. Not funny. Elena. Just sad. <laughs> now that's a memoir title. <laughs> Listen, that's what every review I've ever had has said. <laughs> but I, th- I think older men, you know, with somebody like Tim Burton, he's got very sort of clear idea of, of who he is, his vision, mm-hmm. he's very creative, he's very ambitious. That's very attractive. Well, it's also that there's something about the introvert, the sort of slightly troubled introvert. So that's totally. very appealing. We all think mm. we're going to fix them, that they've only ever come out of their introvertism for us. And my yeah. friend Charlotte has a lovely way of describing people like Tim Burton, who have that sort of introvert, but look at me combo, which is yep. reversing into the limelight. And Very well yeah, put, yeah. And he made her feel seen by telling her she didn't like to be seen Mm -hmm. yes it's very like he i mean he you know he is edward scissorhands so he's that like doomed trouble too sensitive for this world and she's the winona Ryder character Mm. the beautiful girl who's going to save him i mean very much so it had to go that that way everybody had their role 
Do we know whose idea it was to live in the separate houses? Okay, so the big thing about Helena and Tim, the two most iconic parts of their relationship is their working relationship and, of course, their housing situation. Mm -hmm. So we've established she just moved down the road from her mum and dad. Luckily, the house next door to her house was available. So Tim moves in. So this is basically every interview with Timelina is basically yeah it's always about, about this. Suits. Apparently hers there is a communal door that connected the two houses. Yeah, I remember hers that. was girly. His was all gothic, containing skeletons and weird things and floor lights in neon shades. Really? This sounds like this is like made up. It sounds like a teenage <laughs> it sounds like what someone imagines. No wonder yeah. she didn't get a piece of that. Ugh. Did she just walk in and go, I'll get my own place? Exactly. We'd all <laughs> find a way to remortgage and fund that. Right. <laughs> so apparently uh, Helena's side was cosier. She had a fireplace and apparently she kept her own bedroom and sort of kitchen. And then his side was all weird and obviously. And then when the kids came along, they kind of moved into Tim's side because there was more room. Okay. And they're messy children. I would always find a way to say, I think they're going to be best on your side. And then yeah. I get into my pristine little fireplacey, chintzy, lovely space. Knowing all the carnage was there. That would be lovely. Now, I like, like how they describe like, her places. Oh, her place was weird and cosy. She had a fireplace. Yeah. Like, she just had a nice house. <laughs> exactly. a, a totally normal yeah. place. Yeah. I love like his side. It's like, you know, you're wandering into a Tim Burton film. And then her side is like, it's like, the, you know, if the lighting changes, the different camera lenses used. Yeah. It's certainly like merchant ivory. She's yeah. got a cottage. She's got a little <laughs> fireplace. Yeah, and he's in Completely. a haunted house. So in 2003, so two years after they get together, mm-hmm. they have their first child, Billy Ray Burton. Did they ever um, get married? Sorry, did they ever married. actually oh. get married? They didn't, did they? Well, you see, this thing, we do, they talk about being div- they splitting up and divorced, but nobody's ever sure if that was just the language it they was used the language. or if they ever. I'm confident on this point. Uh, you would know I as would a know as part of their intimate arrangement. That's right. Yeah. She was. She lived in the hallway. Yeah, I was houses. in the communal area most days, and I assure you, I never saw evidence of a marriage. <laughs> was it just you making some coffee, and then Tim and Helena go, coming in, and you go just walk in? Oh, so Kelly, yeah. how's that Nick Young going? Exactly. I never really fitted into either. I wasn't quite Merchant Ivory enough. I wasn't quite Gothic enough. So they were like, "You just stay in the hall, but but just in between, <laughs> as has always been your way." <laughs> So again, uh, then we're back to more interviews about their bloody housing situation. Uh, this is what Lena says. <clears throat> uh, so after Dunya's they had the... emotional now. Now we've talked yeah. about tea in the hall. She's like, you speak my language. <laughs> I did not have room to house children. Put it that way. I lived in a cottage. I did always think, God, wouldn't it be ideal if Mr. Wright lived next door? Because then I'd have room to put all the bedrooms in. So that's what... Tim's house is basically the family house and I kept my bedroom and my kitchen. Sounds dreamy. <laughs> it's not a bad... I've always thought I'd sooner do it the other way around. I've never lived with anyone since my kid's dad and we split up 20 years ago. But I do have a very small shed painted like a beach hut in the garden and I've always thought I wouldn't mind if there was someone I really fell for if they lived in there. That would be okay. Yeah. But I would no way I'd have them living here and I wouldn't give them the bigger house. They could have the little tiny weeny place. Yeah, I'm them. with you. And I will say it's got space. no plumbing, no electricity. It's literally a very small garden shed. 
So I can't. Why are you saying that? I don't okay? know. Unfathomable. No one understands. Please come live in my shed in the garden. <laughs> yeah, that's six feet long. <laughs> and I like tall men. <laughs> tall, older men who are tall, more, old more fragile to the elements. Yeah, but it's very close to the soil, which I feel at a certain age is just, just very efficient. Just keep on sinking. <laughs> And <laughs> um, so this is again as she's talking about their their house again, Helena. And um, no. my house looks like something out of Beatrix Potter. But if you go over to his house, you're in a totally different place. He's got slime balls and dead umpalumpas lying about, and skeletons and weird alien lights. I'm beginning to wonder why she was with this guy. We know <laughs> that because he sort of reversed into her limelight. That's right. That's right. <laughs> His side is messier. My side is cutesy, which is fine for him to visit, but there's no way he could live in it. He thinks his side is James Bond, but I have the kitchen and a fire. So usually we'll watch telly in my place. There is no normality in life. Having two houses means we get to get out of each other's hair, which let's face it, we both have got quite a lot of. Fair. Good line. See, everyone's yeah, a comedian, aren't they? <laughs> They got that from you in the hallway. You gave them, them their best lines. <laughs> but the sad thing is, I used to cite them as the kind of what I wanted I to be. I think everyone yeah. did. I think everyone they did. They were like Kelly. the ones. And then I was totally. like, ah. And also, how much do you have to hate someone you don't even live with and aren't married to to divorce them? It's like you've got you <laughs> almost no connection. How bad was it? You're so right, though. I think they were literally like the cool girls. Yeah. Like, couple, oh, that's what I, I don't want to live with a guy. I can just, and I think, I think we did it as well because we kind of thought like, oh, it kind of makes us look like we're not clingy and we're not needy. Yes. And that's what guys will be into and stuff. But the uh, sort of, there's elements of it I get, but I'm with you. The older I get, they're more like, well, actually, I don't know. Like, it does sound a bit like, did you guys ever really get along that way? No, to me it sounds <laughs> great. I still think it's fantastic. I'm standing by the arrangement. All I would do, I wouldn't bother with a divorce or a public announcement. I would just brick up the yeah. connecting bits. I might exactly. reconfigure and put the bricking up a little further into his space. So I got a little bit of the space. And then I'd be like, I wish you well behind your brick wall. You may now exit via the gift shop instead of the communal area. <laughs> You'd slowly by slowly sort of divide the bills so he would suddenly get his own electricity bills, yeah. his own net, you know, his own TV license, and then... Never his own fireplace, this- though, because that's a power move. <laughs> He's never getting a fireplace. <laughs> <laughs> OK, we're already planning for their demise, but remember, in the world of our podcast, they are still very much together. She's living, she's knitting by her open fire. He's James Bonding with his, his dead on Palumpas. So we're in the empire phase of their relationship. So Callie, go on a little journey with us, if you will. It is the late 2000s. The phone's ringing. You know, it's it's just from up the bloody road. It's Selena Bone Carter saying, hey, Callie, we saw you outside on your Vespa bike. We're just wondering, would you like to go on a, a night out with me and Tim? We've got babysitter. Do you fancy a night out? So what do you think a night out with Helena and, and Tim would be like? This is normally a question of fantasy, but in this case, it's I'm just going to tell Callie you what we used to do. Memory. Every Tuesday night, I would go around to their house. And, no, I think that what they would do is, I think there would be um, 
I think I'm thinking like just a normal pub. I think at some point a normal London pub would figure 100%. in a very kind of like we're understated. Totally no, we agree. We don't think anyone's looking at us. What do you mean we're standing looking like Dickensian extras in the corner? Why is anyone <laughs> noticed? And then I think um, and so there'd be a bit of like we're just we're just regular guys and girls. But then they would end up um, and I can't what these um, what the club you know the private members clubs like the Soho House for like the literary set. They'd end up in a sort of yep. writers expensive exclusive subtle you know there's a dark door Mm. on a street hidden in Soho and they know the way in and and then no one bothers them because that is the place they often are and that's Tim and Helena's table so um yeah and then um you know obviously she would uh, whip a toffee apple out of her handbag at a certain point (laughs) because she doesn't like olives and uh that would be and then you know obviously because the babysitter is um is someone's niece off the school run because at the end of the day they are just living a very sort of suburban life in Belfast totally Park standard. in the school run. They old belly yeah pain. they got to get back. Um, so I don't think it'll be a late night. I don't think anyone's doing class A's. Couple of pints, a little bit of a pretentious chat in the corner of a basement in Soho, and um yeah and him dominating the entire evening through his silence. I was just going to ask you what their dynamic was. And you think she's the chitty chatty one chatting to you and gossiping and such. And he's just kind of silently he has all the power simmering in, an, in a sort of brooding. Like, yeah, there's a kind of like brooding male presence. Interesting. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And all that kind of like, she, is anyone looking at me and his weird colored glasses? Yeah, that kind of thing. And do you think she is she how is she interacting with him? Is she humoring him? Is she pandering to him? Is she trying to get him to join in? She's working hard to get him out of his shell and feeling quite responsible yep. for the whole social dynamic. Yeah, and a kind of like unspoken. Don't mind him. He often does that. It's okay. Oh, he's a bit of a weird yeah, one, that Tim, one, Tim. And yeah. the price oh, you pay Tim. to be with a genius. And slightly losing herself and being eclipsed mm. by this man when really it should be the other way around because the mighty Bonham Carter should mm. never be eclipsed. Yeah. But I haven't yes. thought about it. Yes. You know. <laughs> <laughs> So he's sort of brooding, bit contrary. Oh, he's always like this when he's thinking about his next film. Oh, yes. That's Tim. Making excuses. Making excuses. Then home before it's the Northern Line finishes. Yeah, exactly. I reckon, you know, 11.25, everyone's in bed, but not in a fun way. Yeah. Well, so this is what she, how she says they changed each other. So Helena said, again, this is, it's, Helena is the one, she's our correspondent from this relationship. Mm -hmm. She said, he's made me more aware. He thinks I overact all the time. People who know him say I've changed him and I feel really flattered that I've made him talk more. Mm. He didn't really talk before. He's much shyer than me. Every sentence was unfinished. I used to say he was a home for abandoned sentences, but now he actually finishes them. What progress. Yeah, right? <laughs> wow. It seems like a lot of work coming from one it side. It does. This is exhausting. I would want that unfinisher yeah. in a different house. <laughs> it's exactly what you had in your vision. It is. And she, she also says, Tim says to take seven things off before I go out. Coco Chanel said one. Tim says at least seven because too much is going on. But I hate being boring. That was her after she took seven things off. (laughs) Today, because it's a summer's day at my little kitchen table in Kentish Town. If I took three things off, I would be naked. Exactly. Terrible advice for me on a summer's day. 
oh my god like, what, what else did she have exactly. on she used she to have a lot of those veils and top hats and so corsets much. and and bustles and crinolines so she must have started with 47 a lot to go through so then 2007 they have their second child Nell but they carry on working together so this is to give us a sort of a glimpse into what their working dynamic was like mm-hmm. she said Tim asked me to have a meeting at his office this was unusual for at the time I shared a home with him and our two young children down the other end of the road from the office. So what was so important that he couldn't ask me over Cheerios? So he requests a meeting with her, even though they're they're living together. Yeah. So seated at his desk, he announced quite formally, I have something very important to ask you. So at this point, I thought he was going to ask me to marry him. But then he said... I wonder if you would consider playing the Red Queen in my film of Alice in Wonderland. And before I could respond, he shoved a sketch toward me. Look, it's got to be you because I've drawn you without intending to. Oh, God, and it was again with the drawing. Again, bloody hell. Uh, she said, it was a sketch of an overly large-headed, scowling queen. Frankly, this was better than a marriage proposal. And better than a chimp, to be fair. Yeah, much better. Uh, I was going to ask what kind of success they... Because the Planet of the Apes wasn't exactly a great start in terms of like them working together. Because that film did pretty They did well after call. that, though. They had some cool... But after that, it was like one hit mm. after another. So, here is a list of all the films they made together. Uh, Planet of the Apes, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Dark Shadows, Big Fish, Corpse Bride, Alice in Wonderland, Sweeney Todd. So actually, what I, towards the end was actually more successful than oh, the beginning, Big I'd Fish. Say. If you haven't seen Big Fish, I forgot about Big Fish. That was oh my god! I watched that in LA and I wept for about a day. Oh, I loved Callie, Big Fish. I, loved I, it. I, I was. It was like. A family funeral. We lived I and breathed it, all of us, didn't we? By the funeral. oh, same. The bit at the end when he's running with him and don't. holding the chair. Oh, oh. I can't even. It's. I don't actually remember her in it. <laughs> I don't remember her part in it. But I'm sure so, she oh, was. Okay, Anyways. so you could say he was difficult and he was maybe you know a bit of hard work to live with. But he did transform her career. Hundred percent. He helped change the image that the public had of her being this porcelain merchant and ivory uh heroine to this all these amazing complex different roles so surely there's something very romantic intoxicating about that this somebody who's so brilliant in the field that you're so passionate about seeing you and then giving you all these opportunities that's controlling coercive and in a cosmopolitan magazine quiz <laughs> big red flag <laughs> big red flag and i would argue as well that that did happen Two years before they met in a little film you may have heard of called Fight Club, which as much as I don't like that film anymore yes. now, that did change a lot of people's opinions about the lady. That is Carter. very true. That was a Good massive point. change. Well made. Thank you. So it wasn't um, down to Tim, it was her and David Fincher. There you go. <laughs> so also, again, from Helena, she sort of describes how working with Tim could be difficult. So okay. on, on the set of Sweeney Todd which was coming, we're, we're coming to the end of their time together. Mm-hmm. She said that things were getting a little bit tense. So she said, Johnny Depp was caught in the middle. So you that know things are conundrum. bad. <laughs> once again, once again, I hate it when that late. happens in a relationship. <laughs> but if a Johnny Depp is the one going, oh God, I think you two need to work it out. <laughs> yeah, this looks a bit toxic, guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
So she said, in the end, I realised I shouldn't really have any good ideas. If I have a good idea, I should give it to Johnny. If I gave it to Johnny, Johnny would mention it to Tim. And then it was a marvellous idea. If I mentioned it, it would be an absolutely crap idea. So we worked our way through it. I knew that was coming. I bring you back to my coercive controlling point. Mm -hmm. In 2013, photos appear. Oh, the mystery blonde. Kissing a blonde woman after the screening of The Wicker Man. That that would get anyone going, wouldn't it? After screening of The Wicker Man, everyone's like, oh, who can I snog? (laughs) (laughs) Just Nicolas Cage screaming, oh, God, oh, God. You know, it just works for me every time. (laughs) And then... A year later, December 2014, they announce their separation. Yeah. Did so, we ever find out who the blonde was? She just always was a mysterious blonde. Oh, it took me ages oh, to woman. get the blonde out of my hair. I was going to say, how long did <laughs> you to get the, to get the red into the yeah. hair? What an amazing colorist you have, Kelly. So, Kelly, I mean, they they had everything. They had money. They had a career. They had two houses that were next to each other. That were interconnected, but architecturally independent. You know, they were Hollywood's golden couple. Why couldn't they make it work? Why do you think Tim and Alina couldn't do last the distance? Well, I think he just answered it with how he was on the set of Sweeney Todd. And also, and I didn't really like his behaviour about the Red Queen, to be honest, either. So I think really... There's a lot of power in silence. The kind of the man with that, he's got the bigger house. He thinks he's James Bond, but actually he's Adam Ant. And it's just exhausting to be with her. So I think he dominated her. He saw that she didn't Mm, like to be seen. And he made her be seen in some ways more. Like there she was with a massively high profile career and amazing films. But I think she got lost behind the mask Mm. and I don't think he helped with that I don't think she was in Sweeney Todd on set thinking I feel empowered I feel more of myself than I do without him they say don't they the Buddhist principle when you're looking at decisions to make in life is is a certain decision going to enlarge or diminish your life experience and he was diminishing her and she had to break free to enlarge herself and probably to enlarge her architectural footprint in the shared accommodation (laughs) Yes. Well, so this is what she says about the the split. She said, I could write a thesis on what happened and it is Mm. all absorbing when a relationship breaks down. But I think we're coming through it and I think we'll have something very precious still. Our relationship was always somewhat special and I think it will always remain special. We did find each other and really the mark of a successful relationship shouldn't be whether you're there forever after. Sometimes... Sometimes you're not meant to be forever together. Sometimes you have to come to terms with the fact that that was it. But that was a gift, a massive gift. We gave each other children and a lot more else. And we might be better and still be able to give to each other, but not necessarily living together. I mean, they never were living together. They never lived together. Uh, We'd never lived together. Which we did, by the way. Oh, sorry. It's like she heard us. (laughs) Because everybody seems to think we didn't, but we did. It's okay. Yeah, she is, right? You're the one that kept talking (laughs) about it, sweetheart. Pick a lane. (laughs) Then she carries on. Pick a house. (laughs) We had a weird living arrangement, which now suits us fine. We know! (laughs) (laughs) That was your USP. That was it. (laughs) And it 
it's really good because it hasn't caused much change for the children, which is our top priority. And we still operate as a family. So there you go. So they still work together on Alice Through the Looking Glass. Mm -hmm. She worked with Mm -hmm. him. As of 2019, so I presume they're still together, Tim Burton was dating Bond girl Ava Green. Really? Fake Bond apartment. Oh my God, Ava, sweetie. That's the only thing that was authentic Bond about his entire abode was an actual Bond girl. (laughs) Wow. Oh my God. His house does sound, I just imagine the smell of his house is like a hamster. And also, I bet he's got like black linen or purple linen. 100%. Those duvet covers people had at university. So much black and purple. He hasn't washed it in ages. Not even enough lighting to see when it was washed. I just imagine whenever Helena came around, she'd sort of absentmindedly just start like doing the dishes and then be like, oh God, never mind, I'm going. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You sort of can't help yourself. And, and she couldn't even take his dark sheets back to hers to put in the wash because it would ruin her cath kids to tea towels. Uh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Helena it has been dating Rye Dag Hombo. Easy for okay. you to say. I'm into it. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm... Assume it's a real person, not just a load of Scrabble tiles. People have just thrown on the ground. <laughs> and he is 21 years her junior. She calls him magic. Wowzer. Okay. Tim carried on his passion of dating much younger people that he's Ingenues. in. Ingenues. Whereas she's broken her passion. She's not going out with Kenneth Branagh, is she? No. She's got... She's got a little Rydag homebo. Listen, we all want one of those on a key ring. <laughs> Does so, it come with batteries? You'd have to buy your own separately. It sounds like something you'd buy in... Um, oh, God, I can never remember. The the Swedish furniture shop. Ikea. Ikea? It sounds like something you'd buy in Ikea. Yeah. Or, imagine if I just said that. Yes. Um, so, Callie... We have got now a, a penultimate question. Really, everything that this podcast is leading towards in every split. There's a winner, there's a loser. The one you're worried about, there's one you're happy for. In the great split between Tim Burton and Helena Bohm Carter, who thrived and who simply survived? Who won the breakup? Sadly, but only because I think he's quite patriarchal underneath it. I think he's done fine because, and it is, it's hard as a midlife woman out and about in the world of love and romance. It's much harder. The odds are not stacked enough. I'm not feeling sorry for myself, but the odds are not stacked in our favor. So unfortunately, because of the power of gender legacy and that coercive man pretending to be silent because he didn't believe in himself, but actually having titanic self-confidence, mm-hmm. she has been left shagging a man with the name of a souvenir from Cork Airport. Um, what an amazing couple what a a couple what a moment what a time Callie we've got one more question for you we do release you into the night back to the wild back to your little place in the corridor between their houses Yes, as you may or may not know, we have a patron saint of the podcast who we ask every single person that comes on to help us find her someone that can live up to her legacy Gender is not an issue. Other people, other partners, none of these are issues. We think anyone would step aside to let someone be with the one, the only, Cher. Can you find someone to be with Cher? Oh. <laughs> that is a tough one, isn't it? 
It's a tough mm. one, but it's a fun one. Because even and Cher's having trouble being with herself these days. It's, like, <laughs> it's hard to find the essence of Cher physically or emotionally anymore. There's not much of the original left. She's a, she's a concept. Cher is just a concept. Yeah. I think she'd do really well with John Bishop. I think that would be fun. Oh my God. <laughs> that is not what I saw coming. You're sticking with it. Don't change I'm the not answer. Changing it. Stick or bust. That I'm is the strangest one we've had. I'm sticking. But then, what I love about that is I love his next tour show. He goes on stage. He goes, "My wife," and we all know he's talking about Cher. I love that. Yeah. So there you go. That's 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 what I bequeath but, to Cher. Okay. Okay. But to- wait, 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 wait. I need to break this. So why do you think Cher and John Bishop? Would work. Well, opposites <laughs> attract, so I think they're quite yep. different. Uh, they have, you know, yep. he likes a suit and very clean teeth. And he's yep. not bad looking. He's not bad looking. No. His kids. I think she likes a laugh. Yeah, she likes a laugh. Yep. His kids are grown. Um, he's going to need some cosmetic surgery soon. She has the little black book. She's going to say, "This is where you need to go mm-hmm. to keep those, mm. you know, those seventies good looks." And <laughs> they both seem to be of another era, another time. And yeah. yeah, I feel they'd be, I think they'd be, I think she'd really like to be backstage when he's doing like one of his arena tours. I think it's per. I think it's perfect. I think his sons would probably really like her as a stepmom. Um, they wouldn't like her. Think yeah, I think it's good. You just use the word perfect. Yeah, <laughs> a perfect pairing. Per- it is perfect. I think chair. everybody. It's like I think the whole world has just been waiting for that to happen. Yeah, just imagine them having meals at the first Christmas meal. John, get the bistro. Yeah, which is yeah, yeah. it's perfect. They'd have they'd have endorsement deals. They'd have they'd have advertising, wouldn't they? Oh, coming mm. up. I mean, celebrity oh, Google Box would have better viewing figures than they ever. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're oh, couple, this is becoming the perfect answer. You're right. <laughs> their couples, their their couple name could be Jer, Google Kishup, Chishup. This is awful. Oh, I love it. Great answer. Thank you god. for that. Oh, Callie, I love how it went from out of. Left field to the most obvious answer. Yeah, we landed in the yeah. most predictable fashion. I just hope yeah. that everybody listening didn't get there before me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Well, Callie, we've been on a journey. We've stalked your neighbours and we have <laughs> we found the perfect, um, perfect love for Cher and, and for John Bishop. Where can our listeners find you? What, what have you got coming up? Well, I hate to mention another podcast, but obviously this is the, the queen of podcasts, but I have my <laughs> Namaste Motherfuckers podcast where I have not yet had um, Helena Bonham Carter or Tim Burton, but that is where they're going to reunite on my podcast. That's obviously. coming next year, yeah. 2024 season. Uh, so I'm doing that. Um, I'm in the process of writing a book, but there'll be more to hear about that soon. And then I'm just doing loads of live stuff and that's all on my website so yes I'm just um you know doing many many things kellybeaton.com and I also do a lot of um as anyone knows I do who follows me I do tons and tons of on insta in particular a lot of reels so my my little insta reels are worth a little follow at Callie Beaton comedian good to know so at Callie Beaton comedian on instagram and namaste motherfuckers 
for the podcast. Yes, and I, my Cali Love Beaten it. site has it all on it in one easy place. It's all on oh. there, guys. Just go there. Threads, Twitch, 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 the whole fucking thing. All on one easy to follow <laughs> link. Don't be anybody's muse. Just get on Cali Beaten's website. There you go. The Way They Were is an Amanda Redman production produced by Abby Weaver and Amanda Redman. We want to hear your celebrity couple crush, so email us on thewaytheywerepod at gmail.com. Or find us on Twitter at thewaytheywerepod and or on Instagram at thewaytheywerepodcast. Thanks to you for listening. Until the next time, goodbye. Goodbye. The, the Way They Were. were. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.